Hello, Oman Hudijua. Hi, I'm your host, Dan Hugabi, and this is the Premium Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC in Vegas 27, Rob Font versus Cody Garbrand, an exciting bantamweight tilt that definitely has title shot implications. But we, of course, will not be talking about that fight or any other of the great fights on this main card. Instead, we will be focused all on the prelim portion of that card. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and asking yourself, why just the prelims? Why not talk about the exciting main event or all the other great main card fights that I had mentioned or, or hinted at? The answer is really simple. The answer is we know that you guys know a ton about those main cards. You wouldn't be here if you if you weren't. But you probably don't know a whole heck of a lot about these names on the prelims. There's a couple of guys making their debut and definitely some guys who are even a little bit hard to get film on. And that's where there's tons of money to be won, whether you're gambling, playing daily fantasy sports, or hey, maybe just trying to beat your friends on Fanatics MMA, which just so happens to be the sponsor of this show. Fanatics MMA is the most comprehensive pick app on the planet. They give you fighter bios, records, odds, all right in the palm of your hands while you make your pick. Let me tell you something. You are going to love everything about the Fanatics MMA app. As you listen to the show today, I'll give you a little bit more information about all the cool things that it does, but I'm going to encourage you right now to go wherever it is you download apps and download the Fanatics MMA app today because they've got it all, all in the palm of your hand while you're making your picks. Fanatics MMA brings you this episode of the Prelim Primer. Now, of course, I do need to be joined by somebody in order to break down this fight. And joining me today, the owner-operator of MMA Dash Manifesto. You can also catch him as the uh, co-host, I guess I can say co-host, of the MMA Gambling Podcast over on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, where he has a very attractive, very knowledgeable co-host in that show as well. Joining me today, my savvy co-host is Jeff Fox. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me. It's an honor spelled properly with a U. <laughs> honor properly with you. I made fun of him for spelling uh, the Canadian version of honor before he joined today's show. So uh, as all of you guys know, we do have to get to the fights and we will start this round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Big Ben Rothwell versus Chris Huggy Bear Barnett. Barnett, 21-6, and six, making his UFC debut. He's got six straight MMA wins. Of course, this kickboxing match. It's all kinds of other craziness boiled in there as well. His last win was in September at UAE Warriors, where he had a sub-one-minute KO. Absolutely amazing knockout from Barnett. He'll be fighting Ben Rothwell, who has about a 150-inch reach advantage on him. He's also coming off of a two-fight winning streak that was snapped by Marcin Tybura back in October. So he's 2-1 and one in his last three. Now, obviously, very fun Taekwondo out of Chris Barnett for, as a newcomer. Of course, he's five foot nine and weighs like 300 pounds. Is he going to be able to reach Ben Rothwell in order to hurt him? Yeah, that's well. First of all, is he going to make weight for this fight? Because <laughs> he, he he's he's been uh, no joke. He was what mostly super heavyweight, was he not? Yeah, he, in, he fought open weight up to up to 333 pounds. That is crazy. Now I'm not a I'm not big on by any means on Ben Rothwell at this point in his career, but I, I'm going to take him here um, just due, due to the size, um, due to the he's a better grappler. You'd hope a uh, better grappler. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Barnett catches him and knocks him out. But I think this being his debut on such short notice, 
um, not really fighting in any big leagues other than what a fight in Ryzen um, and I guess a Nuki Boom Baye or whatever <laughs> over in, in Japan. Um, I'm going to go with Rothbow. I don't feel super confident at it, especially um, if you're going to gamble, especially at the number um, that I've seen it at the board. Mine is 325 in that range, but uh, I'll go with Barnett. Yeah, and then uh, not Barnett, Rothwell. <laughs> and and that number's wide enough for me to like Barnett. Because I'm actually gonna go with Barnett here. I, I'm gonna take him by KO because I I think he he's just gonna land one of those big shots, whether it's a spinning back kick to the the stomach or whatever he lands on Rothwell. I, I like that number that it's wide enough that I, I'll pick him here. I am curious though if you are taking Ben Rothwell, and I, I have to I'll give you the gun to your head comment as uh, I often do. How do you see him winning this? What what way do you see him in getting Barnett out of there? Um, how's Barnett? I have not seen Barnett fight. Uh, I know all about him, uh, mostly from you. But uh, how is Barnett's ground game? How I, is his, I don't know that I. I don't know that I've ever seen it in all of my highlight clips because yeah. the highlight clips are all of him doing like a jumping, spinning three sixty right. kick to the teeth. So like you don't see him suffering a, a bad takedown. <laughs> yeah, I, I see Rothwell grinding grinding out a win on the mat. Um, I don't see him knocking him out or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it, I see him winning a grindy, if that's a word, boring, uh, boring decision over, but maybe submitting him. Well, speaking of boring decisions, that brings us to our next fight, which is Court McGee versus Claudio Silva. Court McGee mean, has lost three straight fights to Diego Lima, Sean Brady, and Carlos Condit. His last one was all the way back in 2018. Claudio Silva, meanwhile, had a five-fight winning streak that took him seven years to compile. He had that snapped recently by James Krause. That was back in October. So, McGee, obviously a tough run. How much of that run are you blaming on him kind of being done at this point and writing him entirely off? And how much are you blaming it on the fact that he fought some pretty good opponents in that span? It's probably a mixture of the both, but I... I'm fading him as we as we say. Um, I I think he's pretty much shot at this point. Um, didn't make uh, very good decisions in his last fight against Carlos Condit. Didn't uh, have a winning game plan. Um, I, I don't see him. Uh, I just think Diego Lima is a better fighter overall. Plus, uh, I think he's got far more left in the tank. So he's he's got to be my pick here. Um, I think McGee's that uh, this could be possibly the end for him. Um, this will make it four straight losses if he if he loses on the weekend. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I think he's making bad decisions in the cage, uh, especially that Carlos Condit fight. Like, there's no reason not to try to out-wrestle Carlos Condit when you're a guy with a wrestling background. But the other thing I will say, too, is I think his biggest problem is even if he did try to go with that game plan here, it doesn't work. Um, I, I think Claudio Silva is a better grappler than him. I think he just fends off those takedowns. I think he forces Court McGee to fight the same kind of game he fought against, Court, or against uh, Carlos Condit. And even if he doesn't, I think Claudio Silva winds up on the good end of the grappling exchanges. So I'm going to take Claudio Silva here. I actually think he could probably sub Court McGee, which would really be the nail in the coffin like you mentioned. And that's going to do it for the end of our very first round. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number two. All right, guys, I mentioned at the top of the show that Fanatics MMA is the app to download, and I was going to tell you a couple of their features my favorite feature on the app is their scoring system because the cool thing about it is you don't have to worry about the person winning your pick anymore, doing it by just getting the best record, by going chalk the whole time, taking all the favorites. Instead, you're rewarded for your risk. That's right. If you can pick out an underdog, you get more points than the rest because they use the Vegas odds to score the system. So the, the really cool thing about this is it gives you like a fighter IQ score, how well you really truly know the fights and how well you know those upsets that are inevitably going to happen on each and every card. I 
absolutely love that function, and I love more functions of the Fanatics MMA app that you hear about a little bit later on in the show. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to take put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Bruno Silva versus Victor Rodriguez. So Silva had a two-fight losing streak in the UFC to kick off his career, and he recently changed that with a big win over J.P. Bays, his last time out by knockout. Rodriguez, meanwhile, fought in his UFC debut against Adrian Yanez and got knocked out in October. He's moving down to flyweight for this, and, and I guess my question for you is, for a guy who's fought his whole career at Bantamweight, is Bruno Silva the type of guy you would go down a weight class and feel really good about? Probably not, no. Um, assuming this is flyweight Bruno Silva, not light heavyweight Bruno Silva. If it's light <laughs> heavyweight Bruno Silva, definitely, definitely not. But no, I, I don't, I don't think I would want to drop weight against um, against a guy like like Silva and um, make yourself more susceptible to, to knockouts and possibly have a lot less energy and a lot less gas when you actually get in the cage the next day. Yeah, and, and, and it's yeah, it's worth noting Victor Rodriguez doesn't look like a guy who is carrying a bunch of extra weight at Bantamweight either, right? Like, I imagine he's going through a hellacious diet to get himself down to 125 pounds and, and to then fight a grinder, right? Like, to fight a guy who, even when he's not getting takedowns, he's exhausting to fight. Uh, and we saw that in his losses in the UFC, right? Like, he lost a couple of fights in the UFC. He actually lost three in a row, but one got overturned because... Uh, his opponent was on the juice, so to speak. Um, so, like, in all of those losses, his wrestling looked really good. And if, even when he's not getting the takedowns, he's putting you against the cage and tiring you out. So, I expect Bruno Silva to absolutely tire out Victor Rodriguez all over the place here. I'm going to take him here. I'm actually going to say he gets a finish, too. I'll, I'll give him a TKO by ground and pound. How do you see him winning? Probably decision just because we're talking about flyweights and um, Rodriguez, all of his uh, wins are via via finish. But uh, Silva, yeah, Silva is a pretty good finisher, uh, seven out of 11. But um, more than likely, flyweights are going to be a uh, decision. So we'll go with decision for Silva. Yeah. yeah, and one of the things, too, when you're picking fights like this, uh, you know, the, the fact that it is, you know, they are more likely to be decisions. But in addition to that, all of their finishes come on the regional circuit usually. So, yeah, I, I, I think that that's probably a safer pick, too. But I'm still going to take the finish. And that brings us to our next fight, which is Josh Kulabau versus Shah Yilan. Kulabau 0-1-1 in the UFC. He last drew with Charles Jourdain. That was in October. Yilan, 19-6, making his debut. He last won in an organization called JCK by Rear Naked Choke. That was in December. So my question here is, debuting Chinese fighters have not had a good go of it lately. 0-3 at UFC 261. Is there any reason to believe that Yilan will be different than his predecessors? Yeah, I don't know if it's fair for us to paint him with the same brush, but we got burned pretty bad. <laughs> we're picking uh, <laughs> picking people from from the promotion he mostly fights in in, in China on the MMA Gambling Podcast. So we got burnt with some of those picks. Um, yeah, I, I'm liking Kulabal to win this fight um, just because he's such an unknown. Uh, uh, Yilan is such an, an unknown. Plus, he's dropping down a weight class. For this, he's fought at least his last five have been at lightweight. This one will be at featherweight. Um, so I, I like uh, I like Cooley Bao. I think he, he's he's a better fighter. Um, plus, I, I want to see uh, Yulan actually in the in the UFC cage before I am willing to actually uh, back him. Yeah, I, I would agree with you too. And and I will say I I think it might be actually fair to paint them with the same stroke. 
Because they're not just coming from the same organization. They're not just coming from the same country. They're also coming from the UFC Performance Institute over there where they're doing a lot of their work and why the UFC snatches them up. So they're working with a lot of the same coaches. And mostly what I saw from a lot of those fighters at UFC 261 is that they kind of empty the gas tank, right? Like they just went out there and, I mean, like, uh, oh man, I'm going to forget her name now. La, La Niang? La Niang? Right. She went yep. out there and just exhausted herself in the first round. Um and, and, you know, you could say the same thing about Zhu Rong or, or like, the uh, man, I'm now I'm going to forget the third one. But all of them seem to just kind of tire themselves out. And Sha Yalan, in what I've seen from him, kind of throws winging shots and, and kind of like, you know, isn't afraid to throw big bombs. That's never good for your cardio. So I'm, I'm going to take Josh Kolobau. I'm going to say he finishes him late in the fight. How about you? Let's go. Yeah, I, I can see him winning via, via TKO um, after after his uh, his opponent uh, gasses himself out. All right, and that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with round number three. All right, guys, well, last time I told you just a little bit about the scoring system on Fanatics MMA, but let me tell you a little bit more. I love the group function on Fanatics MMA as well because it allows me to talk with my buddies while I'm watching the fights. That's right. You can set up a group, and it's got a chat function right in it. No longer do you have to worry about, you know, your friend who doesn't have an iPhone and their their messages pop up super late. Or you don't have to worry about going on Twitter and dealing with 800,000 people messaging you and dealing with all the people who really down on fighters. You hate that negativity on Twitter. No, no, no. All right here in the FedEx MMA app, you can talk with all the people in your group. Plus, you get to see their results as they pop up, right? So head on over now, download the Fanatics MMA app, and if you'd like to get in the Top Turtle MMA podcast app, you can do that by going to at Top Turtle MMA on either Twitter or Instagram. Click that link in the bio, and it could not be easier. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Demir Hadzovic versus Yancey Medeiros. Hadzovic lost two straight fights. He's lost to Chris Osiagos and Hanato Maicano. His last one was in February of 2019 against Polo Reyes. Medeiros, meanwhile, has lost three straight. He lost to Donald Cerrone, Gregor Gillespie, and Lando Venata. His last win was against the Brazilian Cowboy all the way back in December of 2017. So he has been out for a while without a victory. Um, the issue for Hadzovic in the past has been kind of his grappling defense. For for people who can outgrapple him, they seem not to have too bad of a time. Is is this kind of a safe play then? Is Yancy Medeiros any threat to do that to him? No, this is this is a very good matchup for uh, Hadzovic to get off the Schneid and and save his job. Probably you, you got to think this could be a, a loser leave town match um, with Hadzovic and two fight losing streak. Medeiros on three fight losing streak, even though all three of those opponents, as you mentioned, are Killers, as the UFC like to say. Um, but yeah, I, I think Hadzovic, this is a very opportune matchup for him. And I, I see him him getting uh, getting the W. And I'm going to say he's he's going to win via knockout. Or we'll, we'll hedge and say TKO slash knockout. Yeah, I, I think you're right, too. Because I, I, I think Medeiros is going to come in here fists ablaze and trying to knock people silly. Because he looked really complacent in his last few fights. And I actually talked to him and he, he said... He's looking to be less patient and more wild. Um, and I actually think that plays awful against Demir Hadzovic, who I think can <laughs> knock his block off. So, yeah, I'm going to take Hadzovic here, too. Uh, I think it's a pretty clear-cut victory for him. Um, here's the question, though. You, you said you thought this is a loser-leave-town match. 
Does Yancey Medeiros' ties to the Diaz brothers at all save him from being cut here if he does lose? Plus, he's he's the type of guy that Dana White likes, you know, one of those guys that goes out in his sword. So th- th- there is a good chance that, that he could he could survive. He has been TKO two of his last three fights, though, so we'll see if he gets knocked out again here. Uh, who knows? He's not like he's he's a big name. A lot of times the big name guys, they give a little more rope. He's not uh, a consistent main event or anything like that. But, yeah, I, I can see them possibly giving him another uh, another shot, uh, assuming he, he performs well, even if he loses here. As long as he fights like a quote-unquote savage, to quote the, great, exactly. to quote the yes. great Joe Rogan. Um, all right, and that brings us to our last fight, which is Rafael Alves versus Demir Ismagulov. Alves, 18-9, and nine, making his debut. He was supposed to make it earlier. All kinds of shenanigans happened. That fight got canceled. Of course, he won his contract on the Contender Series in August of 2020. Ismagulov, 3-0 and in the UFC. He last fought in August of 2019 against Tiago Moises which seems like so long ago. And in addition to that, Tiago Moises has been on a nice run since then. So I guess my question here for you is that we're going to start with Demir Ismagulov. He, he kind of looked like a world beater before his layoff, right? Like he looked really incredible. Do you expect him to be as good? And if so, do you buy him as a real contender in this division? I don't know if I'm going to, if I call him a contender yet, he does have a lot of, you know, he was the M1 lightweight champion. He was 10 and one over an M1, very, you know, well-regarded promotion over mostly in Russia. Um, never been finished in a fight, 19 and one as a pro. So he definitely has a resume of a, of a top, uh, top uh, lightweight, especially lightweight performer. Um, but yeah, you never know about the, um, how the layoff's going to affect a fighter. Um, but I, I don't want to, say that he is a a potential title contender at this point but after this saturday perhaps uh he could be trending that way again if he if he puts on a good performance which i think he's going to hint yeah i I think he's going to too i think the thing here for me is uh, alves is is a guy who seems to need that big shot and he he needs to be that guy to tag you and like you just said like Ismagulov is not that guy you tag, right? Like he, he just doesn't get tagged by people. And, and when you look at Alves's career, like that, that seems to be his problem, right? Like if he, he's able to tag you and get you out of there, he gets you out of there. If the, the longer the fight goes on, the more likely he is to lose to some, you know, weird choke or he gets tapped out or, you know, just gets tired or whatever. He's got nine losses on his record for a reason. And I just think, you know, going up against a guy who doesn't get tagged very often. I, I like Ismagulov in this one. Um, I'm going to take him by decision because he doesn't seem to do much finishing in his whole career. Um, it's certainly not late in the UFC or in his most late fights. Uh, how are you going to take him in this one? Probably, uh, I think this decision is probably the safe bet, even though all of Alves' losses have come via a finish, surprisingly. Three knockouts, six submissions. So maybe knockout it would be a decent player if um, if you're betting and you like the number you're going to get for that. But to be safe, I'm going to say decision win for uh, Demir. We'll go back to back Demir's here. All right, and that's going to do it for the end of our third round. We hope you guys learned something in just a little bit over 15 minutes. I, of course, want to thank my co-host, Jeff Fox. You can catch all of his writing in, well, I guess various places. You can check him out on MMA-Manifesto.com, where they've got the best salary data in the whole planet. Plus, you can check out him and his wonderful co-host over on the Sports Gambling Podcast, MMA Gambling Podcast. Jeff, thanks for Jeff, thanks so much for joining me. A uh, pleasure being on the Prelim Picker podcast, Dan.